we got some work to do. This is the Advanced Scout with Tom Offerman and Matt Williamson. The Steelers had a valiant comeback effort last week against the Vikings, but ultimately fell to 6-6-1 on the season. They welcome the AFC South leading Tennessee Titans into Heinz Field. The Titans beat the Jags on Sunday 20 to nothing. They are now 9-4, but they had lost their previous two games before that Jacksonville game. Interesting little tidbit from that game last week. They produced just 3.8 yards per play, but they also just allowed 3.8 yards per play. So they broke even Steven as far as the yards is concerned. And they ended up pulling away with a 20 to nothing victory, which was actually not even as close as that 20 to nothing score would indicate. No, and it really wasn't that impressive. And I'm not ripping on the Titans at all on that. The Jags are a shell of an NFL franchise at this point, and we're just a miserable team. There's some remarkable stats and numbers and things just from that game. So I put more credence in Tennessee losing the two before that than, boy, they shut out a terrible opponent. I mean, Especially with one of those two before that being the Houston Texans. Right. Let's not forget that one, too. Let's put a little bit of stock into that result as well. Not much much was asked of Tannehill. They they didn't have a skill position player gain 50 yards in that game (laughs) and still still won. They didn't have to do much. Nine different receivers caught a pass, but no one had more than four catches in the entire game. Even like Julio Jones is sitting out the fourth quarter because he's coming (laughs) back from injury and forming the running back. So... I'm not going to look too much into that. Yeah, I mean, we talk about how the Lions, you know, they're a good team because they haven't quit on their coach yet. Sure. Not a good team, but a competitive team. The Jags are a team that has quit on the coach, has quit on the season. They are easy pickings for anybody who gets them on the schedule. As bad as I've ever seen in the league, to be honest with you. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I mean, just totally have given it up. Before we get diving into the Tennessee Titans here, let's do a little series history as we always do. Obviously, this series began in 1970 when it was the Steelers and the Oilers, and they would meet twice a year as division rivals. Big-time rivalry game as well between oh, yeah. those two teams. Uh, the Steelers finished the series 37-19 and against Houston, including all three playoff matchups going in the Steelers' favor when those two teams squared off. In fact, during the first 35 teams, times these teams met, the Steelers only lost nine times. The first time the Steelers faced them as Tennessee was in 1997, although they were the Oilers. They were Tennessee Oilers for a little while. People might forget that. Yeah, yeah right. But Pittsburgh has still won 16 of the 23 games played against this Tennessee version of this, of this franchise. Uh, the only playoff matchup between the Titans and the Steelers was obviously a victory in the Titans' favor in 2003. So, as it stands right now, 53 to 26 lead for the Steelers in this series overall, including a three and one record in the playoffs. It's impressive that they're 53 and 26, Matt, because there was a stretch where the Steelers lost seven in a row yeah. between the end of '97 and through the 2000 season. So with seven in a row going to the Titans, the Steelers still have a 53 to 26 edge. They dominate this series. They dominate this series. Whether you're in Houston or Tennessee. Right. And my only real nugget there is Tennessee's had some good teams. I mean, well, they're they a were good franchise. Super Bowl the against Oilers the Rams. Were a good yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Earl Campbell years. When I was a kid, one of my lessons, you know, when I was seven, eight years old, were this Oiler team would be a lot more prominent if it wasn't for the Steelers. I mean, they're yeah. almost like the Knicks during the Jordan years. Like, they were really good in the conference. The but Bills there was, in the 90s. Yeah, that type of thing. A like, race because they lost all four Super Bowls. Right. I yeah. mean, this team couldn't even be the top team in their conference because right. there was a powerhouse. Let's get into the Titans' current uh, uniform, the offense, obviously operating without Derrick Henry, who was a massive part of that offense. We'll get to replacing him in a second, but... As far as their personnel usage is concerned, the Titans are right at league average in terms of their 11 and 12 personnel usage. 
Uh, the separation between them and the other teams is their usage of 13 personnel, which they use 9% of the time, 5% more than the rest of the league. And Matt, their three tight ends last week against Jacksonville all at least saw 30 snaps in the game. So yeah, they that like doesn't, to put that beef up there. They, it doesn't sound like an odd, oh boy, 5% more, 13 personnel. Could you be any more of a dork? 9%, you know? 13 personnel. It's a big lot. deal. Yeah. I mean, we talked about the Browns earlier in the season, how much they use 13 personnel. You don't see it very much. It's it's a little bit more difficult to prepare for because it's, it's an unusual move. Part of it's because they don't have set skill position players like most teams do at this point. You used to be. Brown, Julio, you know Henry, those guys never left the field. Can't well, they've been without all those guys yeah. for a big stretch. Health has been a huge problem for them, for sure. The Eagles and the Patriots are the only teams in the league that run the ball a higher percentage of the time mm-hmm. than Tennessee. The Titans run 67.2 plays per game. That's third most in the NFL. Uh, in the past three games, they're averaging about 70 plays per game. They get 21.8 first downs per game. That's eighth best in the NFL. And they possess the ball 30 two minutes and 17 seconds. So they do everything a ball control offense really needs to do. Mm-hmm. Some of that they, skewed for when they had Henry, though, too. True. You, know, you can't forget that. But still. But they still turn the ball over I a know. lot. So yeah. that's the one thing that they're not really jiving on as far right. as that ball control, run the ball down your throat, time of possession, juggernaut offenses. Tannehill throws interceptions. He's got 13 on the year. And their total turnover is seventh most in the NFL at 21. So yeah. That's a real thorn in their side. It is. It's huge. And they can't afford to play that way. They, I mean, they're, Absolutely not. their quarterback is kind of on the Kirk Cousins level where we saw last week of, you know, a, a good player. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Tannehill, but needs to play a certain way. And they really were designed almost as much as the Ravens are with Lamar around Henry. You know, like they have a yes. special player. They designed everything around him. And then you take that away, it makes it tough. Because they were over the, the really during the Henry Tannehill era, they are elite running the ball downhill with him. Everyone knows that, but also play action. I mean, a lot of play action, and then you hear you see AJ Brown on a crosser, boom, they hit him. He shrugs off a corner and goes eighty. You know, I mean that type of thing. And people aren't honoring the play action game the same. Right. More is asked of Tannehill, and that's been a problem. Well, before we get to Tannehill and what's on his plate in Henry's absence, let's talk about replacing Henry a little bit. Uh, Dante Foreman has kind of been the guy that they Mm -hmm. use when he's healthy. He was banged up a little bit against Jacksonville. And then Jeremy McNichols, their third back, really got most of the snaps, but that was a lot of mop-up duty late in that game. Yeah, exactly. Dontrell Hilliard is the other guy you'll see get some workload uh, in on Sunday. He rushed for 100-plus yards against the Patriots a few weeks back, and Here's their rush totals as a team in the five games without Henry. 69 in the first game without him. 66 in the second. They rushed for 103 yards in the third, but that was against Houston, an abysmal rush defense. Yeah. 270 yards on the ground against the New England Patriots in a game they lost by three touchdowns. Yeah, the 200-yard rushers in that game. (laughs) With Hilliard and Foreman. (laughs) Yeah. Only time two people have gone over 100 yards, I believe, since Henry's been out of the lineup. And then finally, last week against the Jags, they put up 102 yards on the ground. So... They're probably averaging right around that 80, 70 yard ish mm-hmm. mark if you take out that 270 yard performance sure. against the Patriots, which I feel is more of the outlier than the other four in that right. equation. 100% agree. Uh, they still run the ball a high percentage of the time. They're still trying to play the same way. I mean, and I Henry's, think their line is doing a decent Yeah, job. it's a big physical yeah. Malu type of line without question, as you mentioned, you know, bringing in extra tight ends. I mean, they will put beef on the field. Their receivers aren't little people either. I mean, they want big, strong guys out there. Uh, they're, you know, a, a Patriot disciple team, you know, from Vrabel, and they, they stress size and physicality, and they bring it. Um, but but overall, 
they don't run it like they did without Henry. And I don't think you need to listen to this podcast to figure that out. You know, you just have to have eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the last week for the Steelers meant that for the second time in three weeks, the Steelers opponent had a single rusher gain 100 and plus yards on them. It's the first time yeah. that's ever happened to Mike Tomlin. So I'm sure the matter. Titans are looking at this like, well, maybe we don't run it quite like we used to, but maybe we will against but these our guys. Our offensive line versus this defensive front, I right. think anybody could run for 100 yards potentially in this game. So I just saw it today. The Steelers are allowing five yards of carry. Worse than the NFL, right? Worse than the, the, the second worst is 4.7. That's a massive difference. As far as averages are concerned. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, and for every huge. time they hand you the football, I mean, it's really bad. Well, like we said, a lot of the offensive production has now fallen on quarterback Ryan Tannehill in Henry's absence. He's gone 11 straight games with either throwing a touchdown or rushing for a touchdown for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, on the year, he completes 66% of his passes. He's got 14 touchdowns to just his th- to his 13 interceptions. He is the Titans' third leading rusher and is only behind Foreman by 15 yards. Yeah, and the one thing he didn't note there is like, okay, that sounds great. He's got this streak going of touchdowns. Well, the only time he's thrown two or more is against the Colts game. So it's one and done. Right. I mean, he's getting <laughs> one, but, uh, you know, that's a lovely streak. But when it's all said and done, you've only, what, thrown 14 touchdowns this year? Is that what you said? Yeah, 14 and to 13 interceptions. In so 13 games even. or whatever. I mean, it's, he yeah. throws one every game. So the 13 interceptions is obviously the Achilles heel for this Titans offense. Yeah. And I think you get a Ryan Tannehill because he doesn't take many risks. He averages sure. 7.2 yards down the field per throw. Which isn't terrible. It's not no. up to Kyler Murray, who's over eight yards per throw, but it's it's right around probably okay. the middle yeah, of the yeah, league. Yeah. And He's a, a good lot arm. Of, and I right. think, Matt, a lot of that was skewed because when Henry was there, it was a lot of play-action deep balls down the Absolutely. field. Absolutely, and run after catch. And right. But you expect him to be a smart quarterback. He's a well-into-the-league veteran right now. You, oh, you yeah. think that he wouldn't be turning the ball over at this volume, especially with that being the way they have to play. So yeah. do you see anything from him? Why is he forcing a lot more than he usually is? Or One is he just, thing that's he's just also a bad happened. quarterback. No, nah, I mean, he's asked to do more than he should. And every quarterback, you know, has those limitations, basically, unless you're Rodgers or Mahomes. I mean, special players don't. Not to excuse Tannehill's interceptions, but he has receivers running wrong routes and guys Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be on the field, too. And no one's worried if A.J. Brown and Julio, and Julio's a shell of himself, aren't out there. They don't get much out of the tight ends. I mean, he's not getting much help. And they're not getting protection for him either. No, he's under under duress Two a lot, which is part of it. Absolutely, good up. point. But the Steelers don't cause any turnovers either. <laughs> you know, right, I mean, that's they do it. sack the quarterback. They sack amount. the quarterback. Although last week, for the second time this year, they failed to register a sack mm-hmm. against the Minnesota Vikings, which was a very good pass protection unit, to be fair. It'll be a little easier this week against Tennessee. Especially if Wide and Highsmith are there you know, for 60 minutes, of Which course. I think we can expect. Wide. Well, they're going to start, it looks uh, like. Yeah, it looks yeah. like they're going to at least give it a go, healthy, which is yeah. good news for the Steelers. And you kind of touched on the targets that Tannehill has briefly there saying they run a lot of poor routes and run a lot of wrong routes but like we noted he had nine different players register a catch last week none of them getting more than four catches against the Jags the two big names at wideout obviously Julio Jones and A.J. Brown A.J. Brown by far the most targets on the team most yardage on the team he's got three touchdowns that's tied with Nick Westbrook Akine to uh, have the team lead but good news is he's on IR, so you won't have to worry about right. A.J. Brown this week. Their second-best player on offense is also going to be down. Uh, down Henry and Brown's rough. It's real I mean, rough. It, it, it's it's kind of like being say. down Thielen and Cook. Unfortunately, the Steelers had Cook come back <laughs> Right, week, it's so a very good. Really and there's no Justin there. Jefferson out there either. Right. right. But you mentioned Julio Jones being a bit of a shell of himself. He's he got 134 games with a reception, but he's yet to score a touchdown this year. And Nick Westbrook-Akine has only three 
or actually has three more targets than Julio Jones does in this offense. It's, it's a little bizarre. This was a big free agent signing. Everybody thought, you know, he'd be a great number two to AJ Brown that will end up being kind of like a one because of AJ Brown. And it's just not not who he is anymore. No, it just isn't. And a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. Um, He's a warrior. And frankly, I think him and AB are the best two wide receivers of this generation. And I think you can even make a case that Julio is only behind Rice and Moss on the all-time wow. list. I mean, in terms of – he has some crazy numbers. Of, He's getting a gold jacket for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, like receiving yards per game over his career. I think he's first all-time. Wow. I mean, he's just total superstar. But to his credit, he's fought foot and lower body injuries for like 10 years, and I think they're catching up to him. And finally, before we get to the defense, like I said, all three Titans tight ends saw at least 30 snaps last week against the Jags. Any worry there about them in the passing game, though? It's kind of more just meet up front to block. In yeah, the they're kind of no-name, not yeah. special player types. They, they didn't really replace Jonu Smith, who's now with the Patriots. Uh, I think tight ends in offseason need for them. Tennessee on defense. When I look at the Titans' defense, I got to be honest. Uh, for the most part, I think it looks good. They're yeah, twel- they're twelfth in yards per game. They give up twenty-two point nine points per game. That's right at fifteenth in the league, and they have the second best rush defense in the entire NFL. They create pressure on the quarterback. They get two and a half sacks per game. That's tenth in the NFL, and that pressure undoubtedly helps lead to the tenth highest total of interceptions in the league with thirteen. So yeah. they do a lot of things well. Very much so. They do get torched in the passing game by a lot of top-tier receivers. That's true, too. But they give up a lot of yardage. Not that much points off of that yardage, though. Mm -hmm. It really doesn't kill them that much. No, it doesn't. And it all starts with their front. I mean, I want to mention one guy. Kevin Byard is one of the best safeties in the league. I was just going to ask you, do you think he's the best player on that defense? Because the stats would bear out he's the No, because I think he's awesome. He's He's one of – Minka's one of the only safeties I would take over Byard in the whole league. Okay, so wow. he's very, very high on the list. Yes. Yeah. But Jeffrey Simmons is the best player on that defense. Best on he the defense. is a wrecking machine, up-and-coming defensive tackle. I don't know if the Steelers are going to shuffle their O-line or what, but he is going to cause massive problems. <laughs> um, everyone knows Bud Dupree, and they gave him big money. Not going to see him on IR this year. Yeah, so he's out. Yep. But when they're healthy – I would say he's their fourth most impactful defensive lineman. So it gives you some wow. idea. Bud's a good player. I mean, um, Landry, the other edge guy, is really good, having a great year. Autry's been a really good player. But Simmons is a star. In fact, we'll get back to Byron in a second. Let's keep it there with that trio of you know linebackers and guys up front. Harold Landry, the outside linebacker, and then Jeffrey Simmons, the D-tackle, and Danico Autry, defensive end. Those guys make up 24 and a half. Of the yeah. Titans, thirty-two. That's where it all comes from, right? Steelers' old friend Ola Denny is actually fourth. Oh, he's just, okay. Fourth on the team with two and a half. Sacks. Okay, I didn't uh, know that. I didn't realize that's where he landed. He's been stepping in for the absence for Bud. of Bud Dupree. So makes sense. You go sign a Steeler, he gets hurt. You bring in another ex-Steeler to fill yeah, in for right, right. But you know, Bud Dupree was kind of brought in in the offseason as this signing. We need to get a lot more pressure on the quarterback, and this is a guy that had a lot of success doing yeah. that in Pittsburgh the past two years. He only has one sack on the year, but yet they've been time massively and, uh, improved in that category. Oh, without despite question. that fact. They might have had the worst pass rush in the league a year ago. Not the case anymore. No, it's not. It's very good. Back to Bayard. Uh, five interceptions of the team's uh, 13 interceptions. Um, that's by far the most on the team. Number yeah. two is the three interceptions that his fellow secondary mate Christian Fulton has. Bayard also leads the team in tackles. 
He just said Simmons is their number one player, most impactful player in your mind, but he's got to be number two, right? Oh, I mean, he's, he's a superstar, too. And again, not a household So good name. foundations yeah. to build on in the secondary right and up, up front for Tennessee. Without question. Without question. Great uh, player. Some other cast of characters you can expect to join Bayard in the secondary are Christian Fulton, like I just said, Amani Hooker, Janoris Jenkins, although he's questionable and may be replaced somewhat by Buster Scrine or a couple other people mm-hmm. lower on the depth chart. Uh, like we said, opposing wide receivers have put up big numbers against the Titans. Steelers pass the ball 63% of the time. Only the Bucks, Jets, and Raiders throw the ball more. Could we maybe expect a big game out of Deontay Johnson against the secondary? I think so. Protection worries me a little bit, but we know the ball comes out quick Real more fast. often than yep. not. And Claypool, of course, is a wild card, but he's extremely talented. This could be a big game for him and Johnson, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't set up all that bad. I mean, there's a reason they used their first-round pick on Caleb Farley, a corner, who was injured when they drafted him and hasn't seen much of the field yet. I mean, corner's not a real strength for this team. We mentioned how great they are at stopping the run. Number two total in the league, only giving up 90 yards per game. They only gave up eight yards against the Jags last week. Yeah, on right eight, on. Carries. eight carries, yeah. Insanity. Um, we say a lot on this show, you know, best case scenario for the Steelers, you got to run the ball, run the ball, run the mm-hmm. ball. Even if the team is stout, run the ball. I Maybe think for the not first time, way. I think you might want to pass the ball, and I think you want to start with some no huddle passing the ball as well. Against yeah, I think guys. it's a great suggestion, and frankly, I didn't see it coming, but Ben's really played well over this last handful of games, too. I think you just say, hey, Hall of Famer, do your thing. You know, and you I, th- I agree. Yeah, I mean, you could have a short, controlled passing game, eat some clock, you know, dump it to Najee, Deontay's those type of things. great for too. short, controlled passing uh, Absolutely. Games. And the Steelers have had a lot of success throwing deep, too. I mean, they, they've converted on a lot of big plays in the last month or so. So, yeah, I don't know that you beat your head a wall against a wall and just run it and run and run it at Jeffrey Simmons time and time again if you can let Ben control the action. A couple of key matchups to get into before we get out of here. Titans wide receiver Julio Jones versus Steelers corner Joe Hayden, who we should have back, be back in yeah. the fold this week. A couple of guys who have been banged up a lot this year going at each other. A couple of guys who might be a little bit past their prime. But the good news for right. the Steelers, Joe Hayden is not as far past his prime as Julio Jones <laughs> right. is. So I actually right. think right. this tips in the favor of Joe Hayden. In this I game. do too. And, and he can hang with Julio, even coming off the Oh, injury. yeah. Yeah, and they, they both had tremendous careers. Um, Julio won't always line up on the same spot. I mean, so he could see some Weatherspoon, some Sutton as well. But he's uh, he's the wide receiver of note here with A.J. Brown sideline. And the final key matchup you have noted here is probably the one that terrifies you the most. The Steelers' interior offensive line against that one-man wrecking ball, Jeffrey Simmons, mm-hmm. in the middle for the Titans' defense. Gonna yeah. And we mentioned Autry as well. Yeah, he hand. needs to get doubled consistently. But that's a great point. If you do that, Autry's he and really Landry thrives. from the linebacker spot, Absolutely. they're both going to make you pay. It, it's a problem. And um, it's early in the week when we record this. I don't know if the Steelers are going to shuffle their O-line around or not. Could Banner see action? We, do we know if Green's going to be in? Who's the left guard? So <laughs> whoever it is is going to have a tough time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do it for this episode of the Advanced Scout. As always, we are appreciative of you giving us a listen. Titans and Steelers this Sunday at Heinz Field at 1 p.m. For Matt Williamson, I'm Tom Opferman, and we will talk to you guys next week.